Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray you'll speak into every heart. Holy Spirit, come right now in this room. Lord, we sung it earlier that when you walk into a room, everything changes. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll change hearts today. Lord, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, not what man's saying, but what you're saying. And Lord, we pray you'll do something in each and every heart in Jesus' name. We thank you for this privilege today. We thank you for this privilege to come around your precious word. Do a work in as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and we're going to go through to verse 34. Jesus says this, he says, Do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the, field, the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own amen how many of you know that jesus is trying to tell us something there about worry how many of you here today worry about a lot of things come on a lot of us, every day, the problems, the stresses, the trouble in our lives, 
We tend to worry about a lot of things, but Jesus makes it very clear in Matthew chapter 6, a very key component in this message that he preached, far better than what I can preach today, but I'm going to try and expound upon what he said, that we shouldn't worry about our life. We shouldn't worry about money. We shouldn't worry about these things. And there's a reason for that because he doesn't want it to to contaminate us, to take control of our lives. In fact, this whole bit of scripture is about two things. That's wealth and worry. It's interesting that, that money and wealth is the very thing that he links together with worry. I don't know about you, but if you were to, um, to, to lose your bank card tomorrow, if you were to lose any money or access to buy something in a shop, I know when I've lost my bank card and I'm without it for a few days, I realize the effect it has on my life. I don't know about how much you realize that not just your bank card to go into a shop and buy some groceries, but everything that you've built your life on is attached to a money system. It's attached to a system that allows you to function every day of your life. That's why everyone worries when we talk about the mark of the beast that people won't be able to buy or sell because it would, it would, you would lose that function. And so the money and wealth is, is actually quite an integral part of your life. And, and Jesus knew that then when he preached it, but he knows it for you right now today in 2019 that money and wealth will determine the way you function. And it will also control your emotions. It will control how you think and what you worry about. Now, I don't know if you've been like me. that I, I always like to ask people advice on money. And if I see people who know a bit about money, I've asked certain people. But I've sometimes had this response before. And they say, you know, I can't give you that advice because I'm not a, a, a trained financial advisor. And you're like, well, just tell me. No, because I'd be responsible. If things went wrong for you, if I told you to do this or I told you to do that. So people sometimes are not willing to give the advice. Jesus didn't have any of these policies. He didn't have any of these problems. He's quite willing to tell you what to do about money. He wasn't part of, he didn't have the stamp of the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority. Jesus just told it as it was. Because it is a key thing that will drive your life And it can take you in one direction or the other. It can cause you to worry, have anxious thoughts about tomorrow. Jesus said that you can't even add a single hour to your life over worry. The title of this message today is Panic Perspectives. Panic Perspectives. He says, don't store, verse 19, up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How on earth do you store up treasures in heaven when you can't necessarily access heaven, if it were? Uh, We know that on on earth, the stuff that we kind of accumulate can easily be stolen. Just the other day, I was outside at the front of my house, and the neighbor walked over to me, and he said, have you heard? He goes, we've had some burglaries happen the other night. I said, I didn't know anything. And he said, yeah, my whole van was cleared out. They took thousands of pounds worth of tools he says, everything's gone. And he said, I said, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, I've told the police, but I'm now fitting this state-of-the-art CCTV camera to watch to make sure it never happens again. And all eyes are on his belongings now. You see, I didn't know any of this had happened because I'm just trusted in the Lord. And if someone steals from me, then I lose stuff because I'm not too worried if I lose things in life because I know I've got 
Jesus. But I realized that all of the money and investment had gone into watching his van now. To make sure that none of this ever goes missing again. Where, I ask you this morning, where are you storing up your treasure? What is it that you are putting all of your life's focus on that determines your level of worry? It's interesting, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but sandwiched between these scriptures about money and the treasures and worry is a scripture, these verses in 22, verse 22, 23, Jesus all of a sudden says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now I can read that over the years and think straight away, he's talking about sin. If my eyes are unhealthy, What I let in, it's going to change my life. It's going to contaminate me. Now, although that's true and there are scriptures that refer to that kind of thing, let me tell you that when you look at this scripture, Jesus is referring to money. When he talks about your eyes being unhealthy and healthy, he's referring still to money because the whole scripture is about money. It's about money and worry. And so he refers to this about the eye. Now, if you look at one of the, the, the versions of Scripture in the King James Version, it says if your eye, instead of healthy, is single. Or in, in other versions, it says this. If you look at the original Greek word, instead of healthy, it's generous. If you were to change it from, in the original Greek, it's if your eye is either generous, healthy, or if it's unhealthy, it's stingy. In other words, what it's saying is this, it's not about what you're letting in with sin, it's how do you perceive God? How do you perceive the kingdom of God that's available to you? What value do you put on that? That determines how much level of worry is in your life. So that how you see the kingdom of God determines your emotions. It determines your worry levels. And some of us sometimes have a different valuation. I know that just the other week I had different estate agents coming around. I had five estate agents give valuations on our property before I put it on the market. And it's amazing how five different people came in with five different valuations that were so different from each other. They told me that they knew about the history of the road I lived on. I asked them, what's your advice? What would you do? How much would you sell it for? And and so they give me their their verdict. And and, and how many of you know that I'm sat there waiting for 45 minutes and he's talking about a lot of things. All I want to know is how much is it worth? Come on. Just tell me the figure and then you can leave. Forget the cup of tea. It's like I'm his best friend. All he's interested in is the percentage. And then you've got to work out, is he trying to tell me a high figure because he wants a higher percentage? But every, all five gave a different valuation. In fact, one of them phoned me up in the afternoon and says, I've changed my mind. I think it's worth more. I thought, I bet you do. Do you know that everyone in this room today can look at the kingdom of God, look at what's available to you and look at what God's done for you and all treat with a very different value? 
So your eye in what you see determines how you perceive things. The valuation you give on the kingdom of God will determine the level of worry you're going to have in your life. So I want to ask you today, is if we look at the King James Version, it says, is your eye not healthy? Is it singular? Is it single vision? Because some of us can tend to have a little bit of a double vision. We can tend to see a valuation on God's kingdom, but I've also got an eye on the world system. And I want to tell you today, it's time to come back to singular vision. It's time to come back to a vision that says, I put a high value. My eye is generous. It's a, what in other versions is a good eye. It's not a bad eye. It's a good eye on the kingdom of God. Because if I give a good eye, if I give a generous eye, if I look with such value on the kingdom of God, then my life is going to change. How many of you want some life changes? Come on. You see, the world doesn't look at it like this. They look at it in a very different way. I put here that the fuel of your life's worry is determined by the focus of your life's economy. What's your life's economy like? How do you view the kingdom of God? What you store up in your life can either repress you or release you. It can either repress you or release you. Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says this, the writer says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, what fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We fix our eyes. What, can I ask you, what are you looking at? What are you looking at and what are you storing up? What are you banking? What are you looking at in your life? Because what you look at yesterday will determine what you think about tomorrow. What you're looking at will determine what your life system starts to tell you you've got to worry about tomorrow. I don't know if anyone's got Netflix here. Anyone got Netflix or one of these? You've got Netflix and I've, I've got Netflix. And if I watch a movie and we've all got accounts, me and the kids... And each one of us can go in and and view our own separate account. It's interesting that if I watch certain films, the next time I go into Netflix, it recommends me some suggestions. And it starts to know the type of things I like. I mean, if you want to know what people are like, you just go home to their house this afternoon, have dinner with them and check their Netflix account. (laughs) Just check the suggestions. Might be interesting what you find out. So I go in there, my suggestions are there. So that's why I've got to be very careful what I watch, because my children have said, Dad, you've been watching that, have you? You've got to be very careful. So my encouragement is at Life Group next time, let's check out everyone's Netflix account. But Netflix determines why, because it looks at the pattern of what I watch. When it looks at the pattern of what I watch, it builds, a, it builds a view of what my life's focus is, what I value, what I like. And it's the same for you. In your life today, what you're looking at, the devil is trying to build suggestions and recommendations. He's trying to say, you've got to think about this now because that's the way you think. But let me tell you, Jesus did not die on a cross 2,000 years ago to recommend something to you. 
He did not die on a cross to suggest something that you could do. He died on a cross, why? To give you revelation. He died on a cross to give you sovereignty over tomorrow. He died on a cross to give you capacity in your tomorrow. And he died to give you security for tomorrow. He doesn't say, oh, it's a great suggestion. Here's my recommendations. If you look at the right thing, then you're going to have the right focus. So what do we do? If we're going to have a good eye, if we're going to have a single eye, if we're going to have a healthy eye for the kingdom of God, we place value on it. So it's not about sin. We're now looking at the way we look at the kingdom. What do we need to do? First of all, number one, fix your eyes on God's universal portfolio. When I had these people come round into my house to value the house, do you know what every one of them did? They all brought in their glossy brochures. Chucked it down on the coffee table and I'm a designer so I know what they've put some time and effort into these things. And before they even get to telling me the value of my property, what they do is they spend 30 minutes telling me of everything that they've ever sold, everything that they've ever done. And they pull all these sheets of paper out and I'm trying to work out what my house is worth still. Oh, we sold this one and this one's about to sell. And this one's a little bit like yours. The kitchen's not as big. And they go through all of these case study track record examples of what they've done already. And I want to tell you today that that what Jesus is trying to say in this scripture is, you have to look at his track record. You have to look at his portfolio to not worry. Because some of you right now are thinking, the stuff that's happening in my life, I don't know if I can trust God with this. But he's right now walking in the room, and he's putting out his brochure to you. And he's telling you today, you can trust me, because I've done it before. I've looked after people before. I've took care of people before. Hallelujah. You know, the other night we had Leadership 360. We had Steve Campbell from C3. It was a fantastic evening. And he shared how they'd, they'd got these, whatever it is, eight, nine million pound building down the road. And he said, you know, to God's, God be the glory. And, and every time I drive past, I always think, Wow. I'm not like, this is a great competition. I'm thinking, wow, this is a great demonstration of God. To get something like this position, you've got to rejoice when you see that place. You've got to rejoice when you see what God is doing in our city. So when I see that, and, and then he comes and shares. Do you know what? It's not about Steve Campbell. It's not about any leader. Today, what you're, what you're seeing here is not about me. It's about That Jesus is demonstrating his portfolio. When you drive past C3. Or you look at what the chairs you're sitting on here today. It's it's an example of his portfolio. To say I can provide. I can establish. I can do what I want to do. And I can do it for a church. And I can do it for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not man's achievement, it's a testament to God's commitment. 
If you were here the other day at Bible 360, the whole idea that Israel, still on the map today, is an example. It's an example not of man's accomplishment, not of man's achievement. It's an example that God is in it. He is providing. He is making sure that Israel is established. So is the church. It's a portfolio example. So the next time you're saying, I'm worried. I'm worried whether God's going to come through for me. I'm worried whether these finances are going to come in on time. Let me tell you, he is committed to you. He's committed to your life. He's committed to everything when you serve him and you pick up your cross and you follow him. Now, some of us are not prepared to pick up the cross. We're wondering why we ain't got the provision. Because we've got double vision. We've got one eye on the cross. We've got one eye on the world. You can't have an eye in both camps. You have to have a single good eye. It's the lamp of the body. It's what determines what goes in. It's what determines what drives you. What you watch. The devil will recommend to you watch tomorrow. So, what does the scripture say? Jesus says this. Verse 26. He doesn't say, look at me, first of all. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. In other words, he says, look up. Come on, you're looking to me. Just look around you. This whole place is a canvas of my glory. This whole thing is a canvas. I meet some people on the streets and they'll say this to me. How can you say that preaching about Jesus, If what if people don't hear this message? Let me tell you, you walk outside this building, you look up, you look around you. It's a testament to God's glory. It's a testament. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that people see this kind of stuff and they're without no excuse. Don't tell me you need me to preach to you in order for you to know about Jesus. You will find when you look around you that there is a creator. You'll find that this thing didn't happen by accident. It will always point you back to Jesus. It will always point you back to God. Because he is true. He is real and he's alive. Look. Look at the birds of the air. Come on everyone, look. It's an example. If I can do it for them, how much more will I do it for you? You're too busy worrying about yourselves. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. You see, we've got to get in wonder of God. You've got to walk out of this building today. I'll tell you, you have a coffee, you leave this place, and you look up to the sky. You look up on the fact that you're breathing. When we sing a song today, it's your breath in our lungs. You walk out of this building, let me tell you something. Take one deep breath in. Thank God that you're alive. And then say to God, thank you, Jesus. I'm alive today. I know that the wonder of what I see is going to eradicate the worry in me. You see, wonder eradicates what worry propagates. It eradicates it. When you put a wonder on God and his creation, his glory, you look and say, wow, actually, I'm worried about nothing. 
It changes the dynamic. Do you know King David, Psalm 19, he writes this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. There you go. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Oh, but God's not speaking to me today. I've been worried about my life and God, I'm just not getting a word at the moment. I'm not getting a word. I'm worried about stuff because I'm not getting the finances in. I was hoping to do this for, for, for Jesus. And he's just, he's, he's staying a little bit silent at the moment. Listen to me. His artwork speaks. You go to the galleries in London. I've stared at the paintings when people are looking, trying to work out what they mean. Because I'm an artist. And I've stood there and people have got all their different interpretations of a painting. A piece of creativity. Let me tell you, the Bible says that God's creative work speaks. So next time you say, I ain't got a word, you just stand outside, look at the sky. And understand that the heavens declare the glory of God. Hallelujah. It's his portfolio. It's his brochure. Trust me. Trust me. I can look after you. Here's my brochure. Here's my track record. You check out Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. I did it for them. I'll do it for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. It speaks. The other day, my son said to me, young Lewis, he said, Dad, can I have some paint? It's always dangerous when he asks for paint. He said, can I have some paint, Dad? So I gave him some paint. He went in the garden. Then he says, Dad, can you come and have a look at what I've done? Goodness me. I went out into the garden. He said, Dad, I've painted your door. He painted the door for him in acrylic paints. But you know, the kids, and you've got to let them have fun, aren't you? I thought, we can sand it down. I said, no, don't do that. I said, here's a piece of paper. Just stick to paper. Stick to paper, son. No, I don't want to use paper. I like painting things, Dad. So I had to give him a plant pot. He paints the plant pot. He's painting everything bar what I want him to paint. How many of you know that when I went out later on and saw everything he painted, I knew it had his fingerprint on it? God's fingerprint is on everything you look at. Don't listen to the generation that tells you this happened by accident. It's wrong. It's false. It's antichrist. It has his fingerprint. That's why David says this. You see, when, when creation speaks... It speaks. And so some of us are looking up and we're saying, do you know what? God, it is amazing. How many of you know, though, that sometimes creation and some of the things that you see that you know God's created sometimes can turn, a beautiful sky can turn into a storm. And some of you right now have got financial storms going on. So you're saying, I'm looking at the, what God's done. I'm looking at what he does, but actually there's actually a storm in my life. So I, I don't know, if, is, he, if, is he allowed this? Has he allowed these issues and these things to come into my life? But you know what Satan wants you to do? Fix your eyes on the problem and not the solution. And the solution is God. The solution is the creator behind this. That's why in Mark chapter 4, the disciples find themselves on a boat with Jesus. And they're in a storm. 
He says this, Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Verse 40 says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's interesting that Jesus shows them that the very thing in creation you're looking at, it may speak, but I have the authority to speak back to it. So you might sometimes go through seasons in your life where you're saying, God, I don't understand it because I followed you and and I did everything you want me to do. And all I'm doing is just going with the flow. But why is it that this bright sky that I just declared and thank God for is now turned into a storm? But the thing is this, that Jesus is the one who can speak back to what speaks to him because he has authority. And he's given you authority. So right now, if you've got some storms going off, if you're trusting God and saying, God, I did everything right. I'm living with a focus on you. I was looking at your portfolio. But now, everything seems to be falling apart. He gives you the ability to speak back to the storms. Some of you right now need to speak to those financial storms. Speak to the things that are causing you this worry. And tell them where to go back to. Because it's the devil. He's trying to get you worried. It's interesting that that story when Jesus is on that boat. I find it amazing because a lot of people think, you know, they go and wake Jesus up. And then he speaks to the storm. But I think there's a key part of this story that we miss sometimes. It's the fact that Jesus can sleep through what we're prepared to stay awake for. Jesus will sleep through what you're prepared to stay awake for. It's not the fact that he can speak to it. It's the fact that he can sleep through it. It's only them that wake him up. And some of you right now, you've got to take your eye off the storm. You've got to take your eye off the activity of the storm. You've got to say, I trust God because you created me. You created what I'm seeing. And I'm going to sleep through this. And I'm not going to let worry determine how I act. It's time to sleep through things that you are staying awake for. Worry. Stop focusing on those storms. Look up to the skies. They proclaim the glory of God. Amen. Number two, fix your eyes on God's unquestionable provision. Matthew 6, 28, he says this. See how the flowers... Of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you. That not even Solomon. In all his splendor. Was dressed. Like one of these. Now first of all. I'll just mention that when he mentions Solomon. We know that Solomon asked for wisdom. When he's given the opportunity to ask God. He asked for wisdom. But when he asked for wisdom. All of the treasures follow the wisdom. And so when you have an eye on the valuation of God and you look at who he is and what his value is, he'll give you what you need because he can provide. And so Solomon, he uses him as an example, but he is a prime example of one who asks for the right thing. He said, I want a single eye. I want a good eye. I want a good mind. I want wisdom above all else. Because if I have that, it will all fall into place. 
then God grants him everything he needs. Let me tell you, if you have a good eye for the kingdom of God, he will give you what you need. Don't have a double vision. Trust in his provision. Jesus says this, see how the flowers of the field grow. It's interesting because he says, see how they grow. Now every year when I look at our tree in our garden, it comes out and it it blossoms. The leaves come out, then it blossoms. And then I go through stages where I get the fruit and every day I'm picking up apples in the garden. And then I go through to the next stage where in winter when there's just nothing on the tree. And some of us know that we don't know sometimes how these things work, but we know the process. We know what's going to happen in the seasons. I don't know about you, but I can see how the flowers of the field grow, but there's certain periods of their growth that I don't really know how it all works. I don't understand it. I'm not a scientist. I don't fully understand it. And so some of you right now are are saying, you know, I'm trusting God. And yes, I see how the flowers grow and I see how these things happen, but I don't understand how it really works. I just understand that the process of the seasons. My son, at Christmas, he got a little kit to make slime. He likes making slime as well. And I sat down with him to make this slime. It's got all the color things with it and the glitter. And I sat with him at Christmas and he he goes, Dad, let's put this in. And we're putting all these things into one pot. And I'm stirring it up and there's nothing happening. And there's one ingredient that you have to add to the slime to make it slime. It's called slime activator. Pretty simple. He says, Dad, you just have to put the slime activator in. And it's just a clear liquid. And we put this slime activator in. And then within minutes, when I'm stirring, all of a sudden, what didn't look like slime, now looks like slime. And I realized something that I don't understand the chemicals. I don't understand the ingredients in the activator. I don't understand how that works. But I know that when it tells me in the instructions, it will work, I'm going to do it. And so sometimes in your life, you have to apply the slime activator. You have to apply the activator even when you don't know the ingredients. Even when you don't know how it works. Because the scientists in the lab worked that out for you. And God has designed it so that you don't have to understand how. Just look at the process. Look at the fields. Look at the flowers. And how they grow. We can know how the process happens. But not how the process works. How it happens in its sequence. But not necessarily how it works. In John chapter 2 is a prime example of this. Because Jesus' mother says, there's no more wine. It's run out. It's gone. The wine's gone. And then she says this. She says to the disciples, do whatever he tells you to do. So they do and they they, they take his instructions and they get these empty pots and they fill them with water. There you go. I mean, you imagine Jesus telling you to do this. We got to make some more wine. So fill it with water. No, but Jesus, you know, isn't there somewhere we could go and buy the wine? No, we got All I want you to do is fill it with the the substance that they don't want. I want you to fill these pots with the very thing that they didn't ask for. 
But that doesn't work out, Jesus. Just do it. It's just like the slime activator. You've got to do what I tell you to do. Because if you understand the process of what we're going to do, you don't have to understand how I'm going to do it. you just got to know that when you do this, you're going to get wine. And, and, and so they do. And they fill them. And then it's not only until we hear that the wine tastes good is when they take it to the master of the banquet. And he tastes it. Oh, you've, you've got the best wine. Some of you right now don't understand the process. You don't understand what is going on and what's happening. But let me tell you, it's unquestionable, his provision. If you do what he says, if you keep your eye and you're obedient to him, if you keep your eye fixed on what he asks you to do and what he tells you to do with your money, what he tells you to do with your finances, if you keep your eye fixed on that, even though it doesn't make sense, it will come to pass. He'll give you what you need. Oh, but I obeyed Jesus and I gave that money. I did this thing and it still looks like water. No, it's, it's still clear. I, I gave that money to that ministry, sowing in belief when I didn't have any money left in my bank account. I gave that money, but I did what Jesus wanted me to do. But it still looks like water. I'll stir it a bit more. Some of you right now, you have given, you have sowed, you have done things and sacrificed things and trusting God with a singular vision, but you're in the process. You're right in the middle of where it still looks like water. But I'm telling you today, you've got to keep going and keep stirring and keep believing. Because what God asks you to do, He will provide for you. Ecclesiastes says, cast your bread upon the waters. One day it will return to you. And so you ain't got to worry about when. You've got to understand that when He asks you to do something, He'll give it back. And He'll give you more. Oh, but it's still, it still looks like water. Mark 4, 26 to 27, Jesus says this about the parable of the growing seed. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how. I've put here that your winter season of faith is not a sign of God's insufficiency, but a sign of a greater expectancy. Some of you right now are in your winter season. You're seeing the tree that looks bare. You're seeing a tree that once had fruit. You see a tree that once had something bearing on it. But let me tell you, when you see the branches with nothing on in the winter, it's not a sign that you're in a season where God has given up on you. It's a sign to you to say the season is about to change. That winter is going to be over. That spring is coming. And let me declare, there's a word for someone here today. You feel like you're in a winter season, like you have nothing. Like the finances are dried up. That things are not happening in your lives and your relationships and your life total. But let me tell you today that the season you're in is just a winter season. And the season is about to change. Because spring, let me tell you, is coming. Spring.
is coming. The same person who Jesus refers to, King Solomon writes this in Song of Songs 2. He says, see with your eye, see the winter is past. The rains are over and are gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. Shubratasa. Listen to me. Some of you right now, it's a word. That song of songs, the Lord told me, is a word for someone here today. That you got to get ready. Because it's the season. Winter is past. This season you've been in right now. The winter is past. A season of fruit. A season of the flower. The Lord says look at the flowers. Look. It always works. It always comes back. It always works in a cycle if you trust me. Hallelujah. See God wants to break off that winter worry mindset. Oh, but there's nothing on the tree. There's nothing there. No. See. 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 Look again. Because it always comes. The season you're in is just the season where you've got to be expectant for the next. Hallelujah. Jesus is saying to you today, see how the flowers grow. See, Numbers 11 Moses sees quail come in from the sea. Comes three foot high from the ground, it says. In a, walk, a day's walking distance, every direction, they had quail provided for them. They go to a rock, and Moses strikes the rock, and water flows. Let me tell you that in your season of drought, he will provide. In your season where you didn't expect, he'll make a wind-blowing quail to the right height so that you can grab it and you can take it and you can eat. He's the same God who can provide, make water turn into wine. If he can do these things, he can do it for you because he's a God of unquestionable provision. Some of you right now, I just pray that God will give you the faith to believe. Finally, number three is this. Fix your eyes on God's unshakable promise. He's unshakable promise. Matthew 6.31. He says this. So, so do not worry. Saying what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, what you run after in this world will eventually run you down. What you run after in this world will eventually run you down. If you run after all these things, he says, I know you need them. I know, you, I know what you need. The question is, do you need it or do you want it? There's a lot of things I want. There's a lot of things I, I want. I, I go to Tesco's and I just go for a few items. But there's a lot of things I want. I could spend an hour in there looking at the things I want. But I've got to go sometimes in there for the things I need. And some of us are chasing after these things, running after them 
We're running after things that are contaminating us. And what's happening is our eye has become a double vision. We start to lose the value of the kingdom of God. Not only the value, but the promise that if you put him first, you'll get all that stuff anyway that you need. I mean, talk about good financial advice. Talk about the best financial advisor you could ever hear. Is one that says this. If you trust me, you'll have everything you need. Oh, but it's not that easy. Surely it can't be that possible. Do you do that? No. If you don't run after what the world's running after, and you put me priority, you put my kingdom purposes priority, there's some of you right now that you don't put things in the world priority before coming to church, that doing the things of the Lord, you put these things priority, I'm going to give you what you're running around for. So many of us are tired out because we're running around trying to make sure we've built our lives with all the things we need. It's time to focus on the kingdom. It's time to say, I'm going to give a single eye, a good eye to the things of God. It's interesting that all the way through these verses, Jesus refers to looking, seeing. Then finally, listen to this. First of all, he talks about looking at what he's created. Look at how it works. See these things. Look at what I've done. But the ultimate thing is this. Don't just focus on my portfolio. That's an example. Now get this. You can look at someone's portfolio all day. All these people that came in my house with their brochures, they can tell me everything that they can do for me. They can tell me and I can look and think, wow, that's amazing. But how many of you know, for me to take their services, I have to sign the contract. I have to join in agreement with them. I have to say yes to what you're saying in order for me to receive what you want to give me. And so some of us today, what we're doing is this. We're looking at the God's portfolio. We sing the songs that, that all heaven declares the glory of God. We sing these songs that he's amazing, that he's the provider, that, oh, he'll never let me down. Oh, yeah, he's never going to let me down. But what we don't do is join into agreement with him. I had to sign the contract and show my passport and show them all my ID to tell them that I will agree with you to sell my house based on your portfolio. So let me tell you today, there's no point just living a life as a Christian, just telling everyone that God is good and that he is a provider and that he is the one who's done all the things that we can see. Jesus says, look at these things, see the birds, see, look up. But seek me. It's a bit different. Seek. Not just see. Add a K on. And seek me now. Because it's not about observing what I've done. It's not about observing the portfolio. Jesus says this to you 2,000 years ago. I died on a cross. My blood signed the contract for you to receive all the things you need. You just have to sign the other off. You have to come into agreement, just like the word that came this morning. It's not just Jesus who carries the cross. 
Both of us carry the cross. We carry the cross together. You have to come into agreement with him to receive all the blessings he has. Oh, but I like the sound of Christianity. I like the portfolio. I like what God does, but I'm not willing to sign. I'm not willing to sign up to this and give my life to this man. It's time to sign the contract, to trust him because his promises are unshakable. If you do, you'll start to see God working in your life. I was in a church meeting recently and they, they talked about giving. And I, I just thought I cannot afford to give what I want to give. How many of you know this is the pastor? And I'm sat there thinking, I don't know if I can do this. And I sat there and I started to sweat. Have you been like that? The envelope's coming around. Oh, I hope it doesn't come near me. I, I don't know if I can do this. I felt the Lord tell me what to do. But if I do that, Lord. And I sat there. And I got the piece of paper and I, I was, you know, you're kind of shaking with your pen. Almost like you think if I put the digits down on my card number, I'll just, just change a, a couple of digits, if, then they won't get the number. Because then it won't go through. Then they might phone me. Oh no, they phone me. Change the phone number. But I, I, you get worried because the question is, when you really need to trust him, this is when heaven's watching. Will I sign the contract? Or will I just spend 30 minutes singing in this worship service that God is good? Will I sit here declaring that he'll never let me down? Declaring that the heavens declare the glory of God. So will I. If the rocks cry out, so will I. But I'm not prepared to give. I'm not prepared to give. I don't know if I can do this. And I sat there and, and, and I was tempted not to put anything then I tempted and, 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 and I put down this figure in fact I felt the Lord said to me I will give you back 10 times more than what you put I said are you sure in that case do you know there was another figure I had and I didn't dare put it but I felt that's what the Lord wanted me to do so I put another I put a, a lower figure down and I felt so so bad some of the guys here will know that who were with me at this meeting that as soon as that finished and the, the envelope went and I put a lower amount than what I wanted to put down. So I'm being honest with you. But I still trusted God. But it was lower. And, I, and that, you know, you feel so bad. But then the preacher gets up and I thought, well, I'm just going to start the preacher said. The preacher speaks on giving. It's like, goodness me, you could have preached on something else that I wanted to hear. The fire of God giving I already feel bad enough as it is now you want to talk and give it to me I sat there for 40 minutes the Lord told me off told me off felt like running out and go to the loo and so I went out of there listen to me the next day I was blessed with 10 times more than what I gave
God provides. Now I learnt my lesson. And it's not about putting in to get back. It's trusting him. It's not about, it's not about putting in money to get things back. God is not some insurance plan. But let me tell you, what you give needs to have good vision. It needs to have a single eye. It needs to have a good eye. In Malachi, it talks about that they brought in their sacrifices to give to the Lord. And they were blind. Sometimes you look like you're giving a good thing. But it is, has not got any vision for the Lord. It has no vision for anything bigger back. Let me tell you, it's time to have a single eye towards what God wants to do. God is looking for people prepared to seek his kingdom with faith. Faith. Believing that he will provide. Matthew 17, I'm coming to a close soon. If the band want to come back, that'd be great. Matthew 17. The tax collectors come knocking on Peter's door. He's hanging around with Jesus. Let me tell you, you can hang around with Jesus, but you still got to be obedient. You can come here and sing all your songs all you like, but you still got to be obedient. He's hanging around with Jesus, and then the, the, the guys come to his door and they say, We need the temple tax. We need the temple tax. Two drachma. So he goes back in the house, he shuts the door on them and says, We ain't got any money. Come on, raid the piggy bank, guys. Goes in and speaks to Jesus, and Jesus says this He says, you need that temple tax? I'll tell you what you got to do. Trust me. Go back out of the house. Walk down to the lake. In fact, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 27. He says, go to the lake and throw your line. Take the first fish you catch. Open its mouth and you will find a four drachma coin. Not a two, a four. Take it and give it to them for, for my tax and yours. Wow. I don't know about you, but if I was Peter at that moment, I'd have said to Jesus, hang on. Can't you just make a coin appear? Can't you just do it here? Let's do it in the house. The guys are waiting outside. Come on. We've got to do it now, Jesus. What's the, po- what's the point in walking down to the lake? Me getting all my fishing gear out to do this. What's the point of that, Jesus? If you're, if you're Jesus... You're the miracle worker. Come on, just, I don't know, just make it appear in the, in, the, in the coffee tin. And I'll go and have a look over there. That'll be easy and then I can go outside and give it to them. Some of you right now in your life, that's what's happening. You're saying, Jesus, if only you did it this way. Come on, we've got to get this money in time. We Listen, if only you did it like this. Just make it appear. What's the point of wasting the time? Jesus says, go down to the lake. Cast your line. Get the first fish you catch. When you reel it in, open its mouth, and the coin will be there. It's not just for you, it's for me as well. It'll cover us both. So you don't have to worry. Are you sure? Yeah. Now this is Peter. This is a fisherman. This is a fisherman who knows how to fish. So just get this picture just for a moment. He's hanging around with Jesus. Some of you are hanging around with him, but you're not obedient to him. Because you want it your way. You want to get the provision your way. 
But he walks out and he gets his fishing gear, he gets his line and he goes down to the lake and he walks down there thinking, I just wish it had been my way. And he walks down there and he casts his line and he looks on that lake with such patience, then waits and then all of a sudden he feels that pull on the line and he pulls in, he gets in that fish And I don't know about you, but if I was him at that moment, I'd be thinking, is this really going to have a coin in its mouth? Is this really going to have... Shall I just let this fish go? This is crazy. But he does. He works. He gets the fish. And there's a coin. Four drachma in its mouth. Listen to me today. Some of you right now, you need to walk down to the lake still. You need to cast your line. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Some of you right now, you've got to start casting your line. You've got to start taking your worry down to the lake. You've got to start saying, Jesus, if you said it, I'll do it. And I'm going to cast this line and I believe that I'm going to get the money. I believe I'm going to get what you told me I'd get. And so you cast that line and some of you got to wait at the lake of patience. It's not pulling yet. Oh, I feel a pull. Then you reel it in. And check the mouth. Listen to me. God wants to bless some of us, but some of us are hanging around the house with Jesus telling him how to do it. No, the lake doesn't work for me, Jesus. I've been fishing all night. And don't be crazy, Jesus. You don't find coins in fish's mouths. I mean, get this. Think about it. Jesus has to place and make that coin appear in that fish. Direct. It's his creation. It's his portfolio again at work. So now what God is doing is saying, as you obey me, as you walk down to the lake, as you get down to that water's edge and you cast your line, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your obedience of seeking my will, and seeking what I want for your life. I'm going to join all this together. And I'm going to take your obedience. And it's going to join in with my creation. Because I'm in charge of everything anyway. And the portfolio that you see every day. It's going to be even greater. Because you're going to be part of it now. I'm going to make this fish come to you. And I'm going to put a coin in its mouth. Because I'm in control of everything. Do you know that Peter could have just said. Oh I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't believe you Jesus. I'm sticking around in the house. I'll, I'll, I'll earn my two drachma. I'll earn it. I don't know if I can be that crazy to stand down there. Believe him for that. But he takes his portfolio. He takes his creation. And he joins it together with obedience. And that's what he's looking for you today. He's saying stop singing about how how the heaven declares the glory of God. And start believing it. And acting in faith. And seeking my kingdom first. And all these things will be added to you you'll get the coins you'll get the provision cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you come on let's stand thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today for further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.